Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics and passages related to the Bible. My name is Pete Vecchi. I am an associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. Joining us as usual are Josh Kugel. Josh is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi, and Pastor Don McDonald, who is the lead pastor and has been for the last two or three or four or 28 years at Danforth Reformed Church in Illinois. And gentlemen, uh, I thought that maybe today we could discuss a topic that I, I have a title for. It's just simply this, Swimming Upstream. And the idea is that, you know, I, I guess I heard a commercial about something a number of years ago, and it started out with, any dead fish can float downstream, you know, but then talking about what Christians need to be doing. Um, and when I look at things like our culture and things like uh, this world that's all broken, uh, the last thing that Christians really need to be doing is just kind of floating downstream, going the direction that, that the world is going. And, and we have a responsibility as Christians to be going towards God, not away from him, as this world is going away from God. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but at the same time, we are called to go upstream. We are called to follow God's ways, and we're called to witness and influence other people so that hopefully they will come to the Lord as well. I mean, that's part of the Great Commission is to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel to all creation uh, to tell other people about Jesus, to share the love of Jesus with, with other people. And sometimes it's just getting really difficult to know when do you be strong about your, your um, witness and when do you kind of like take a step back and say, hey, you know, this person isn't anywhere near where I think that they should be or God would probably want them to be but we need to take baby steps here. And so swimming upstream takes a lot of effort. Swimming upstream takes some rest too. You can't always just constantly continue to, to swim and swim and swim without taking a rest. And so, I don't know, that's just kind of the um, analogy, the illustration that I'm thinking of. What, what does it come to in, in your guys' minds when it comes to sharing the gospel with somebody who is, maybe on the cusp of maybe considering belief as opposed to maybe somebody who just will have nothing to do with God. What, what are some of your experiences, guys? I, I mean, um, when you're talking about sharing the gospel, I, I think part of where we're going, and it's really more what I'm prepared to talk about is, is uh, you know, if we, if we prepare to be unoffensive so that we don't turn people away, um, and, and I want to talk about that when we get to it, but, um, the whole idea, I, I think you're asking of somebody is receptive to what you're saying. And if they're not, is that kind of what you're, 
Well, I, yeah, I guess I'm getting that's that's kind of part of it. I think what you're saying as well is also part of it. I think it's a broad discussion. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm just going to say that that our great experiment experiment of not offending people into heaven has failed greatly into the church, and I think it's led to about half of the church looking exactly like the world. Um, because either we're used to being popular or we can't handle being on the other side of issues with mainstream America or whatever. And it's led to a church being so scared to talk about any issue that it never does, or they let the buildup happen to where they blow up like you would in a personal relationship and you go overboard and offend everybody because you don't know how to talk about things, um, in an educated way or a loving way. Um, but I, I would just say, uh, we've spent the last 20 or so years uh, kind of tiptoeing around every social issue, thinking that if we don't offend somebody, they'll say, oh, well, why are you different? And then we'll have an opportunity to tell them, well, it's because Jesus is in my heart. Um, it hadn't worked. It hadn't helped. Um, and we're partly responsible for the shape that our culture is in. <laughs> there you go. Don, say something better than I did, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I there there's so many different ways. I'm, I like the word broad discussion for the record, Pete, um, because, you know, when, when I'm thinking about sharing the gospel and I'm thinking about the reality of Scripture and trying to put all that together, I, I'm definitely on the side of the church has failed in leading culture. The church has failed in really showing the power of the gospel to change lives. The The church has failed in all those things. And yet we're still, I'm going to say it this way, we're still alive and kicking, you know, and, and I feel in my mind that the most important part of the journey is accepting the reality that as you are swimming up the stream, you ain't going to be liked by everybody and there's nothing you can do about it. You still got to be Jesus. You still got to have that voice. You still got to have that. You know, I was thinking about the John 17 text, 14 to 16, where it says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not, and this is what I find interesting. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So even as we're talking about presenting the gospel and, and going upstream against it, being countercultural, because to me, when I see the phrase swimming upstream, I'm thinking countercultural. I'm thinking something that is different, that we need to understand that Jesus already knew we were going to be liked for who we are, but Jesus isn't going to take us out of the world because of that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where, you know, when, when I'm looking over the process of evangelism today, it, the frustrating part to me is, yeah, I agree. You don't want to offend them and you want to show them love and grace, but there's going to come a time where they're going to hit scripture and they're going to be going, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. What's this new creation? What do you mean I got to give up this? What do you mean I got to do that? I think. We, we do want to offend them, but we want to do it in a godly way. Um, because you, if somebody's how, not in Christ, what's that? How do you define a godly way? Um, you present the truth, even if it's offensive, 
but you make sure it's the truth and it's done in love, not in um, boasting, not in, you know, I'm glad you're going to, or you're wrong or all that kind of stuff. It's more, we're not at war. We're at war with the world. We're at war with the spirits and principalities and all this stuff of this world, but we're not at war with the people that have bought into, I don't think, and that may be the wrong way to say it, but our, our fight is to free people from the bondage of the world, not to, uh, you know, um, can, I don't know. Um, and so the only way to free somebody from bondage, can you imagine somebody's in jail and they're denying that they're in jail and you don't want to offend them by saying, hey, you know, you're behind those bars and you can't get out because you're in jail. And, and I'm so worried about offending them because if they say, well, I'm in jail, it may make them upset. <laughs> I mean, you know, at some point we have to say, you know what, you're in jail and this is the reason why and this is who's holding you captive and I can help you escape. Um, not doing so is is the complete example of unloving. When you don't tell somebody they're in bondage, when you don't tell somebody they're on their way to hell, when you don't tell somebody they're lost in sin, it is the complete example of, of unloving. And we've twisted everything so much to where we think we're unloving if we tell somebody that they're lost in sin or that sin is bad. <laughs> do you think that it has to do with how the opportunities present themselves and who the people are that we are, are sharing with. I, I'm remembering as you were talking, Josh, um, I was in a Christian singing group back in the years 82 to 84. And I think this was in the 82 to 83 years. We were driving through. Hey, Pete, I know you know this, but that's a long time ago. It is. It is. But it's just an example of what, what yeah. happened. We were going through one city and we were in a bus meaning what the, the bus we toured in and we saw a lady street preacher i don't know how many of those there are out anymore now but a lady street preacher and she was just raining down you know hellfire and brimstone amongst people and we saw um as some big guy walked pastor we never heard him say anything or anything like that but all of a sudden she just looked at him and said you are going to hell you are and just you know, lay him in. and the guy keeps looking i didn't say anything i didn't do anything yeah, and he was like fighting against her i mean you have those types of confrontations but then you also have the ones where hey you know i i, I know this person and i've known this person for you know, however long we've known them. And they're really having a, a struggle because they've never asked Christ into their heart and they don't have a worldview that even leaves room for God. And and I don't think that looking at them and saying, you're going to hell is going to make it uh, a way yeah. that I'm going to be able to have that relationship. So, with. so I do have a thought on that, Pete. Mm -hmm. um, I, I went to see, uh, when, when I was living in Ohio, I went to see Duke and Butler play in the final four and in the championship uh duke beat butler and i think uh, all of heaven rejoiced when that happened but um on the way out my dad and i with thousands and thousands of other people from lucas oil stadium in indianapolis indiana are walking to our cars and there was a, a about 20 people there holding signs similar to what the lady was saying you know you're going to go to hell without jesus 
um, you're lost sin, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they were kind of preaching really loud. It was, it was obnoxious. And, and it kind of upset me because I'm a Christian and I think they made me look bad. And I remember walking past them and I remember thinking about it. And I remember thinking, hey, Josh, you feel really cool right now because you're not doing what they're doing. But think of the last time that you shared Jesus with somebody you didn't know. And you know what? It was a year or more. Um, and we'd all like to complain about the people that are trying something. Meanwhile, we're content just watching a whole world around us be lost without Jesus. And so, yes, I, I agree. Their methods are probably not optimal. Um, but whether you, well, comparing doing nothing to doing it the wrong way, I, I don't know what. <laughs> so we've been doing in church, we actually, um, we, we've been doing this evangelism class called the Three Circles. And it's a method of turning a regular conversation into a gospel conversation so you can introduce Jesus to him and talks about brokenness because we all know what brokenness feels like and everything. And one of the things that hit me during this is about 20 or 30 people in our church, you know, not even half, but a, 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 some people have gone through evangelism classes before. And what they learned was a lot different than what they're learning in this. And it kind of hit me that... Um, it's not really important, the content of these classes. It's important that you're talking about evangelism and that you're expecting to talk to somebody about Jesus in the coming week. Because people who aren't preparing to talk to somebody about Jesus in the coming week will not talk to, to somebody about Jesus in the coming week. So it could be that if you do something, it's better than doing nothing. And we're all worried, well, if I do something, it may offend somebody. And yes, the lady offended the guy and those people outside of Lucas Oil Stadium may have offended some people, but I was doing nothing. And I'm growing more and more convinced that I need to be doing something rather than doing nothing. Um, and so that's just part of it. Um, go ahead. I don't want to take the whole thing. No, I can't tell if Don is leaning in to say something or not. I, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm looking over. I, I have to have a prayer of confession to my priests of Josh and Pete. I had to uh, Google search three circles. So I'm like, man, that is cool. I, I like it. I like the fresh approach, you know, and, and it's really good. And you can get a free kit actually. Um, just tell them you're Southern Baptist and they'll send it right out. <laughs> they may, they'll probably actually send you a big kit for free. Um, it's got videos and everything in it. It's, it's really, it's really good. Hey, Pete, yeah. Pete, um, are you doing a, oh, look at that. It's got a little box in the circles. Are right, you need to do a disclaimer that we're not advertising this, by the way, and we're not being paid by them for this advertisement. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Church, but it's actually a church in Florida that came up with this. Yeah. And apparently, apparently people in their church evangelize all the time. And the reason isn't, I don't think the reason is because of this method, even though I think it's a really cool method. I think the reason is because they talk about it all the time and they build this expectation that if you go to church there, we're going to always talk about you sharing Jesus with somebody at your work. And because they do it all the time, there's kind of, I don't want to say it's a peer pressure, but there's an expectation that you're going to do that. Um, that's so. talking about swimming up the stream, you know, that, Hey, if, if you are a part of this faith community, uh, we want you swimming up the stream Yeah, difference in this culture, you know, um, I wanted to get us back on task. Um, 
<laughs> but I just, you know, because when when I think about sharing the gospel, you know, when I was in high school, um, it was Carl Sandburg, not Lyons Township, by the way. I, you know, we had the signs and the people sharing Jesus with the signs in the high school halls. And, you know, you almost curled up in a ball. And yet when I went to youth group at Christ Church of Oakbrook and the youth pastor was Al Berg, he says, when else are people going to have that opportunity, though? How, you know, you don't have to be so uh, forward about it, but you should be aware of, hmm. you know, and, and I think that's the thing that really comes to my mind when I'm thinking about swimming up the stream today. And, and it was just funny. I just, I had a Facebook message from a very dear friend. And the question he asked is, does Jesus still do miracles today? Was the Sunday school class he was going to be teaching on. And, and he had a whole layout of it. And to me, sometimes I think the church has gotten so lazy fair about the gospel because they don't expect the miracle of someone saying Jesus is Lord through them. That we've lost that edge. And part of it is, I agree, Josh, it's because we're afraid of offending somebody. And what I always tell my people is it's not about offending somebody. It's about giving them the gift of eternal life. Mm -hmm. Does it ever get tiring, though, the swimming upstream? You know, I mean... I, I have found myself getting many times just feeling worn out, feeling discouraged because the world just is going worse and worse away from God and trying to, you know, share my faith with other people. It just seems sometimes like it's harder and harder. Um, you know, if you look at somebody from, I don't know, I'm not going to try to, say where they're from but you know how many people here in, in in our culture today compared with 50 years ago actually care what the bible says you know 50 years ago at least they would care what the bible says now they yeah. don't and they would uh, know they would know what the bible says right uh, right more and, and more they don't greg kokel i think it was said uh there's there's two kinds of evangelism one is uh kind of talking to people about jesus and the other is kind of reaping the the reward of it leading them to jesus right um, i think it was uh sowing and reaping or something like that um we're having to spend a lot more time introducing people to jesus um hoping that someday they'll make a decision for jesus it used to be that they already knew all the stories and you can just tell them you know you need to go turn to jesus or you'll go to hell and they'd say okay i know all the stories i'm now they don't know any of the stories anymore right uh, and i mean i guess that i don't but, ever want to be the person who when they walk into the room they look and say oh no here he comes again you know i mean not that not right. that i'm trying to be like joe popular but right. you don't want to be the guy who's going to be you know every other word out of the mouth is jesus this jesus that because i think that sometimes that just turns people away from the I, gospel i agree and you were talking about swimming upstream and i think that's a fault in pastors, and I think it's a fault in our churches, is that we've turned our Sunday mornings into evangelism hours rather than community, fellowship, uh, recharging, um, growth, all that kind of stuff, hours. And it could be that we need to go to church every Sunday and Wednesday and whenever we go so that we can get away from this swimming upstream mentality and we can be with family who all believe at least to ten, you know the main parts of scripture like we do. And it turns out that we're we're as, as, as focused on evangelism on Sunday morning as we are through the week when we're talking to people that don't know about Jesus and we're never able to just get away with the, our people. 
And I was actually thinking a lot along those lines as far as the illustration. I'm thinking, you know, if you're swimming upstream constantly, you sometimes might need to find a nice little rock to just rest against, you know, yeah. or or whatever. And I was exactly thinking that exact kind of thing that you mentioned, Josh, about yeah. maybe that's what church and, and you know, your, your time with God and prayer, Bible yeah. reading, maybe that's what that's supposed to be for. I, I think for me, I'm going to be on contraire a little bit with Josh because I'm old. And I never totally bought into the whole seeker movement. And I believe, I believe, I believe, I bought into it hook, line, and sinker. Well, I believe in it to the point of saying the service, the worship service has to have some form of, you know, warmth to it. I believe in that. But where I differ is, and maybe it's because I'm reformed and maybe it's because of the DNA of Christ Church of Oakbrook in my head, you know, Dr. DeCryder always said the pulpit is a place of empowerment. And if you're not empowering the people to walk Jesus during the week, you have failed. Yeah. And so in my mind, I don't approach the preaching in particular for almost 30 plus years as, okay, I've got to be a song and dance artist here. No, yeah. I'm going to be an expositor of scripture and I'm bringing scripture to life. And, and sometimes over the years, I've said, you're going to be offended this morning. You will be offended because this is what the word of God is challenging us with. Yeah. So I don't even, you know, on purpose from my Trinity days of training that, you know, they said, if you pick and choose scripture, you are just as guilty as anybody else of ignoring scripture of not bringing the totality, the aggregate to life. So I, I've, in my old age, you know, in all the years I've worked in the life of the Reformed Church, it's very much the centrality of Scripture, preaching it in its totality, you know. And that's hard because there's certain things you would love to, you know, you would love yeah. to really sneak over Romans 1 and you can't. Yeah, and I skip over all the reformed parts of scripture. <laughs> <laughs> you ignore Ephesians 1. What's wrong with you, Google? <laughs> free will, free will. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, but that's sovereignty. And let's get it back. What we're saying is, is, is really important um, because sometimes you, you get an idea from scripture that you're supposed to do it one way, sometimes another. I mean, Jesus offended people. He yeah. called them snakes. He called them vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs. He, we don't get that impression of him anymore, though. Oh, I know. Because he was always nice, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. But but that's what he did. He called them that. Yet at the same time, you know, I, I've mentioned before that, that Paul, for instance, talked about being all things to all people so that by all means he might save some. About how when he talked to Titus, he talked in the book of Titus about the, the, the main thing was about teaching people not to steal from other people. Uh, I think he was talking about slaves at that time. Slaves don't steal from your masters because you want to make the, the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. So, I mean, it could be that the making the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive had to do specifically with that issue. But I, I kind of take it as a general rule, too, because, you know, we, we, want to under, we want people to understand that there is good that comes from following Jesus. You know, it, it makes a difference in people's lives. And a positive difference in people's lives. Yeah. So in that way, I, I hope that that Christianity, as seen through my life, is something that is attractive to people. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be um, in your face. 
but it yeah. could be, hey, there is something different about that person. But again, as you said, I think Don, you talked about the laissez faire, and I think Josh, you mentioned it too. You can't just be lazy about it. You got, you know, you gotta, you have to be intentional about sharing the gospel as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think Jesus I, was. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think the thing that comes to my mind that I try to um, instill in people is. Uh, the reality of the Holy Spirit's already been there working. All you're doing is stamping what's happening, but you don't know where the Holy Spirit's been. And so if you don't reach out, how do you know that the Holy Spirit's been touching them and waking them up? You know, and, and I think that's the thing that really comes to my mind. Now, mind you, that's the reformed understanding of, of salvation. I get that. But I know when I talk to my Baptist you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a little bit of that. Hey, we, we know have some reformed people in the Bap in Southern Baptist Church. We, 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 we have a good, we actually have a good number of them. And I, I think the point being, though, is, you know, thing about swimming upstream is you're really not swimming upstream by yourself if you acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit and you let the Holy Spirit lead you in conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that really, you know, comes to my mind. Um, and, when talking about that, God's never going to lead you to do something that's unloving either. But we, we also have to define love in the proper way. Um, love is concern about somebody, not enabling somebody or not seeking not to offend or something. But, um, I was talking about earlier, um, before the podcast, uh, Jesus talk about shaking the dust off of your feet. And it actually appears, um, uh, four times in the New Testament. I'm just going to read there real quick. Um, he sent the disciples out two by two. And in Matthew 10, 14, if, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. So just real quick before I read the other two, you don't get the impression that he's saying, hey, guys, go out, um, feed people, make sure they feel comfortable Make sure that you're not calling into question any of their lifestyle choices and just tell them that God is love a couple of times. And if they don't receive that, then just go to the next house. I think he is telling them, look, you need to tell them the truth. You need to tell them that sin is damaging, um, that hell is, you know, the future for people that are outside of the kingdom. And so I, I think it had to be a more controversial message than the one that a large part of the church preaches today. Luke 9, 5, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Um, so that's the impression. I think that later when God says, hey, you could have responded and they say, well, no, we never, you know, but then no, no, no. Remember when I sent those two guys, uh, Mark 6, 11, and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you. When you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony to them. Um, and then uh, he kind of clarifies it later in the Matthew 10 account. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. And I have to think beyond that town, he's not talking about all the residents, but he's talking about the ones specifically who refused, who didn't listen. I, I don't know. Um, and I just, there's no way in my mind that, that all these disciples are going to people's houses asking, Hey, can I, can I, can I wash your shutters 
and 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 um and and you know be really nice to you for an hour and if you don't like that i'll leave no i think he's telling him to go and tell him the kingdom of god is coming you know and is here and if you continue to cling to the world you're going to end up where the world ends up um you know and and he's probably saying even things like you know what the way you're living is not really good for you and it puts you at odds with god and you don't want to be doing that um I don't know. Or he could be saying, you know what? The religion you guys are following is a false religion. Let me tell you about the real faith. I, I don't know, but there's no impression in these verses that what they're saying is probably not offensive. I don't think. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Josh. Um, it just seems that maybe one of the things that happens with us today, when I'm saying us, I'm talking Christians in general, is sometimes we might blur the lines between um, wanting to see what we would call a good outcome and and seeing a person come to the Lord. I mean, how's the best way to say it? If, if you, you know, Church of the Nazarene, when I first joined the Church of the Nazarene back in the uh, early 90s, um, you know, one of the big controversies was, you know, you don't, drink you don't smoke and is this ever going to is social drinking ever going to be accepted blah 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 and believe it or not it still is one of those hot button topics in the church of the nazarene even 20 or more years later um and i think that there would be some people who would try to say that the only way you can follow jesus is for instance if you don't smoke if you don't drink and and they're more interested in getting a person to stop smoking or drinking than they are to say, you just need Jesus in your life and let him then deal with these issues in your life. You know, and that's kind of where where I see something. Pete, isn't, isn't that isn't that because you cannot you cannot see a heart change, but you can see a behavior change? Sure, sure. Um, but I, I've known I've known in the past where I've seen people who will give their lives to the Lord and yet you know, one of them, for instance, just use the tobacco issue. One of them will just be like, hey, I never smoked another cigarette after that. And I know another person or two or whatever after that, it's like they had this, the, the hardest time struggling to quit smoking. And I don't know if they ever did. I haven't, I think yeah. people I'm thinking of right now, I, I probably haven't seen personally. In, and in the and then you have people that would say, um, you know, smoking is, is bad for you, but you're right. jumping to calling it a sin is kind of. <laughs> Right, yeah. exactly. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. We blur the lines. What we're trying yeah. to do is get a behavior. I, I, I think you have another situation um, that happened many years ago. I don't want to get too um, too many details with it, but it's like somebody was giving, an, an adult was giving their, their elderly parents fits by his lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the parents prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I, I had to stop and think, yeah, are they praying because they don't want to have to, I mean, they wanted to see the son saved, no question about it, absolutely 100% sure about that, but, you know, when they would share about, hey, pray for my son or whatever, it makes me think that maybe there were a lot of people who said, yeah, that guy just really needs, needs to get his act together so he doesn't be a burden to his parents anymore, you mm -hmm. know, where what the true need is, is that son needs to come to Jesus. Well, I, I would say there's a lesser and a greater need. <laughs> sure, sure. The, the lesser need is that he quits acting like a dork, and the, the greater need is that he accepts Christ. Um, Correct. 
Yeah. But yeah. that's why I was wondering if the lines sometimes get blurred between this is sin and, well, maybe this is sin, maybe it's not. But isn't the biggest sin that we rely on self and rely on human beings instead of relying on God through Jesus? That is the main thing that we, I believe, need to be sharing with people. And the, the biggest sin in the world is that we go our way instead of going the way of God, which is Jesus. I will say um, just real quick, we we are are fighting, I think, with the methods of the past and and we keep we keep doing the same thing where people will find, you know, gifted preachers, gifted talkers will find the way that will affect the most people and they'll start attacking like that. And they never think about long term damage that it could possibly do. Um, one of the things I talk about in church a lot, because we have this expectation in the Southern Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Convention or whatever, that. Um, we should have an altar call at the end of every service where the pastor leads everybody in the sinner's prayer. If you've ever studied the origin of the sinner's prayer, it's not really from the New Testament. Um, and, and not that it's good or bad. Um, during the great revivals, um, you know, field preachers and all and, and early uh, kind of big preachers, they had to come up with a way to lead a lot of people to Jesus at one time. And so they came up with this manner now the bible says you confess with your mouth so they get that part down you believe in your heart nobody's walking them through all of this they've got 100 people responding and they're leading them all to jesus we all know what happened when billy graham did that and he regretted later um that many of them kind of responded and then you know went went away from it but the sinner's prayer now we've gone in this mode because we grew up with that that um we need to have this big massive response at the end of service and I don't know, it's kind of damaged the way that we're in now, where I think we're in a place where we need to go back to what it really was supposed to be, where you have one-on-one -on -one relationship with people. You walk them through um, getting to know Jesus and describing Jesus and talking with them so that you can hopefully lead them yourself to Jesus at some point. Um, I don't know, but we think the past, if we can get them in church, they'll, I don't know. Well, I don't know, but that's the other thing that you're saying too, and, and we kind of come full circle here because it's almost as though... Um, if you don't have a relationship with that person, you're not going to have that time, that ability, that opportunity to be able to yeah. you know, walk them through. If you but, just face every time about Jesus, 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 they're, yeah. they're not going to want to talk to you very much. But I think that it's hard to say that Christian, you know, we need to have that relationship. That's the kind of evangelism we're doing, but nobody's doing it. Yeah. Nobody's doing it. They're doing the other. Some people are doing the other one. So I don't know about kudos to them or not, but it's, I'm not going to be the one complaining about it because I'm not doing it. And so I finally got convicted. We're going to do this program just so we talk about evangelism all the time. And so for the last three months, all we've been talking about on Wednesdays and, and I did a series on Sunday, we've been talking about evangelism. And the only reason I've been talking about it, look, I don't care if you're trained or whatever. I want you to practice your testimony, practice a method to talk to people and then begin to pray that that god will bring somebody in your life that you can share the gospel with because here's what i promise you everybody has opportunities all week long to share the gospel with somebody but if we're not looking for them we think we don't yep. and and i think that's part of swimming up the stream you know is realizing that because we've spent a lot of time saying this is your private faith it's yours, you know, and yet here we are saying, well, wait a minute, this thing that is private is also public. 
in in the scope of you know god expects us when we hold on to the gospel that we that he profits from it nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel exactly you know and and i think that's the thing that really you know comes to my mind i i know um when I talked to Dan for the church, because Reformed Church is very much into the lifestyle evangelism, and you know, you don't really share like evangelism explosion of the '70s and the '80s. It, they never really leaned into that, and so they're much more into let us give you, you know, soup and food and care for you that way. And then my frustration was you didn't finish it. You need to at least say you're doing it because of Jesus, you know. And, and so there's that, that what I call bouncing act of finding that relationship but understanding that the relationship is all about pointing to Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm guilty of that because I was working with an individual who trusted me and basically said, we're not doing Jesus, but I like your counseling skills and I want you to be my life coach. So for like two, three years, I life coached her and I thought, you know what? Holy Spirit's going to do what it's going to do. She's a great person. She needs to be cared for. And it was three weeks before Easter and we were sitting there and somehow we got into Jesus. And the next thing I know, she looks at me and the tears are rolling down her eyes. And she says, P Mac, you've been incredibly patient with me. I need to do something for me. And I'm going, Oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to you know, work out more? Are you going to do this? And she says, no, you idiot. It's Jesus time. You know, and even though I wasn't totally swimming upstream with her, I would pray with her when we began, I would pray with her when we leave. Cause I said, I am a Jesus guy. So you're going to have to have prayer with me. That's part of who I am. Take it or leave it. And, you know, when you think about the gospel, I love the Reformed Church because we're very good at caring for people and bringing people into relationship with Jesus by the way we care and act. But sometimes we're weak in saying, okay, now we got to show you the nuts and bolts. We got to show you, you need to say Jesus is Lord. You need to be in scripture. You need to do those things. Um, and, and that's the swimming upstream that you're saying you're here now to get, now that you're here, you got to go there and keep growing and keep changing as God wants you to. I think that's really important. I think that that's a wonderful testimony that you just shared, Don. And, um, you know, again, I, I say it very often, maybe there's no one right way, you know, but, um, but you know, I, each individual is unique, but I, I, I think that we need to make sure that we understand that this is an upstream battle. It isn't something where we can just float downstream like any old dead fish, like I said at the, near the beginning. And, um, you know, I think we need to look for the opportunities. And honestly, I think one of the big keys is, too, I am not Pastor Mac. Pastor Mac is not Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh is not Pastor Pete. You know, we all have our own unique talents, our own personalities, our, our own ways of being able to share um, our own witnesses as far as what, what have we experienced. So we'll have different things in common with different people. That doesn't mean that that gives us an excuse to not share with others, but it just means that sometimes one way will be more effective than another. One person might be more effective than another. And um, I don't know, just the, the bottom line is the swimming upstream. I think Josh 
one of the key things with what you said about church and fellowship being an important time to get our strength back, to get our refreshment, refreshing back. Don, I think you were talking about letting the spirit be the one to um, to carry us to understand it's in his strength. Because, heck, if I'm trying to use my strength, it's not going to be very much longer. The older I get, the less strength I have. So uh, any any closing thoughts before we, we kind of wind this up, guys? I see two shaking heads, or at least one shaking head. Well, I, I, I was looking for a statement. Um, man, I can't, I can't find it real quick. Um, but it's pretty much, uh, you ever notice the people who are complaining are rarely the ones doing the work? Um, and and uh, I forget exactly how it was said, but it was something like that. And we have to be careful in the church that we're not spending all of our time pointing to how other Christians are doing things not like we think they should be doing when we're not doing them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I wasn't going to get into this part, but, but just for real quick, um, one of the things I'm preparing message for this uh, Sunday, I'm supposed to preach at a church where I've never been before this Sunday. And one of the things that I'm sharing about there is the second Chronicles 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble, humble themselves and pray. And one of the key parts I'm getting at is if we really mean that, instead of saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And so we say, if my people who are called by my name will humble ourselves and pray, and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, or even get to personal and say, if my wicked ways, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of where it needs to be guys. I mean, we need to make sure that we are, are serious about this with God and understand that we, we might be part of the problem if, if we're not turning from our wicked ways or, and, and, and confessing our sin and just kind of laying it off on those people over there. Amen. So, well, with that, I think because of time only, we're going to probably need to start uh, um, winding things up here. And um, I'm kind of laughing because I accidentally was showing them the, the timer and it went to a different screen all of a sudden. It showed me what the time is in New York, which we don't really need to know right now. But uh, it That's was just kind of, in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. So anyway, uh, so for uh, Pastor Don McDonald, P. Mac, Pastor Mac, Danforth uh, Church, Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. Thank you very much. And for Josh Kugel, pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in um, Gulfport, Mississippi. I want to thank you again for your um, your sharing with us your thoughts and, and your testimonies. And this is Pete Vecchi, associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And I want to thank you all for joining us for another episode of Reconciling Grace. And Lord willing, we'll see you again next time. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.